Well, I called my uh, sister uh, yesterday because it was her birthday. And, uh, you know, how's your day been? How are you? Uh, Debbie and I were the same age uh, for, for a few months, uh, for, you know, about a, about a month. And uh, I don't know what my mom was thinking. Uh, mom got married really, really early. And I know what some of you are saying. Yeah, everybody does in Georgia. All right, take your shot. You can go ahead. All right, so I'll get it. And uh, so she got uh, married when she was early, and I was actually born. Uh, Mama turned uh, 17 on October, and uh, and I was uh, born in December. And then uh, two months later, uh, Mom discovered that she was uh, pregnant again with my sister. So for uh, a little while, we're we are the same. We're the same age, so I like to, you know, have some fun with Debbie about that. So while I was talking to her yesterday, uh, she asked me, she said, hey, uh, Jeff, what are you speaking on in the morning? And I said, well, I'm going to be talking about, and you see the title already on the screen, God is watching. And I said, and she's like, ooh, that sounds interesting. I said, and it's in a really positive slant because a lot of times when we think about God is watching, you know, we can think of it in uh, negative terms, but I think you're going to be really, really encouraged by the time we get to the end of the talk this morning. You know, when you read through the Bible, it becomes quite clear that the theme of the Bible, I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but the theme of the Bible is not primarily people that are longing to be with God. That is not the story of the Bible because so many times we see that it is the antithesis of that. It is not the story of the people that, who are longing to be with God, but God having this inti- intense desire to be with people. And, and I'll just tell you, here all these years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, that is still God's intense and his, his intense desire. Uh, he longs to be in relationship with you and I. He created us for that, for that purpose. And uh, when you stop and think about that, it's pretty amazing that God wants to have a relationship. I mean, if you personalize it, to be able to say to yourself, hey, God wants to have a relationship with me. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. The God of the universe who created everything wants to have a relationship with you, and he wants to spend time with you. Uh, I don't know if you think about it, uh, but God wants to walk with you every single day into the workplace where you're at. And uh, God wants to be with you uh, to give you the wisdom necessary to raise your kids because that's like a really, really huge responsibility. If you're not married yet and, and, you know, your hopes and aspirations is that one day you'd be able to find that, that great girl, that great guy, then, then God wants to be a part of your life and that re, uh, resolve as well to give you the guidance necessary so that you can find the person that is going to be good for your life. God likes to celebrate with us when we are joyful, but he also mourns with us in our pain and our disappointment. See, God is watching. God knows what is going on in our life. God created us. God wants to have a relationship with us. God wants to spend time with us. God is watching. And I want you to really just settle in on that thought for just a moment because it's the primary theme of this talk that God never, this is fact, that God never, ever, ever takes his eyes off of you. Now, when I say that, some of you settle in on that thought and you say to yourself, you know, Jeff, that is absolutely incredible. 
And maybe you know that fundamentally, but you don't often think about it, but then it just sort of resonates you with you for whatever uh, reason, more so in this moment, and you start thinking that God is always, God is always watching me. God never takes his eyes off of me. You'd say, that's amazing to know that God is always watching me. I also know that others of you might be thinking, does God really see everything? Does he even see the things that I don't necessarily want him to see? And I've got to tell you, he sees that, that too. Um, you know, but, but you just think about the reality that God is always uh, watching uh, over you. How, how many of you know, if you've been here more than once, you know that I have grandkids, right? And so I've got three great grandkids. They're like perfect. I know it's, there's not many perfect kids in the world, but these are three that are perfect. And anytime I'm uh, with them somewhere, whether it's in a store or if I've been with one or more of them and say like a theme park, I never say to them, you know, they're six, four, and two. Uh, I never say to them, hey, listen, uh, here's what Papa wants you to do. Just go have a good time. Hey, just go wherever you want. I'll catch up with you in a couple of hours. You know, just go have a lot of fun. And uh, I'll see you after a while. I would, you know, if they were older than that, obviously I wouldn't do that. But, you know, especially uh, now. And, and I've, I've informed uh, Brandon Nicole that I am a yes pawpaw. I am not a no pawpaw. I am a yes pawpaw. And I am a pawpaw of love and not of discipline. So they've been doing things before, and I'll be, I'll be right there, and they'll be like, you know, Brent will say, Dad, get on to him or get on to her. I'm like, nope, I'm a love papa. I'm not a disciplined papa. You get on to them. I'm all about love, all about, yes. How many of you papas and mimis and mamas, you understand that? All right, that's how I am. And, uh, but the time that I start, you know, getting animated, my voice is not raised like you would think, but the times that I get animated with them is if we are somewhere and, and they start to run off or they're getting away from me and I'm like, oh no, oh no, that's when I will raise my voice, bring them back together, uh, because I never let them out of my sight when we're in a place like that. I love them too much to let them out of my sight. Can I let you in on a little secret? God loves you too much to let you out of his sight. He simply does. He loves you too much to allow that to happen. And we're going to talk about that uh, in just a moment. I think back to some of, the, some of the biggest trouble that I ever got in as a kid. And I got in a fair share of trouble. And I can remember when I was, uh, I was really young, I was in my upper years of elementary school. And uh, I hadn't quite gone into middle school yet. I may have been in fifth grade. And my buddy down the street, uh, he had, and I can still remember because it was like incredible to me that my buddy, his name was Steve, Steve Easter. Isn't that a cool name? Steve Easter. Uh, and Steve owned a Yamaha. His parents had given him a Yamaha 80, uh, like a dirt bike, like a racing dirt bike. And I mean, I didn't understand a whole lot about envy when I was in elementary school, but I so envied that. I so wanted that. I would suggest to my parents that I needed a motorcycle just like Steve's to be able to ride along with Steve, and that never happened. And so it was just really cool, and we lived near an area you could go out in the woods and, and ride. And I, I can remember one day when Steve came by and he said, let's go for a ride. I'm like, cool, let's go. And I just on the back and we took off of the woods and I lost track of time. Has that ever happened to you when you were a kid? And I lost track of time and I, I don't remember how long I was gone. 
But I was gone way too long. And I knew it soon as Steve let me off in the front yard. I just looked at my parents. They were not holding up welcome signs. It's so good to have you back home. They were in a, Mama didn't bring out a cake and say, I was worried about you, baby boy. She didn't do any of that. I mean, I was in trouble like I had never been before. Why? My parents had no clue where I was, and they weren't able to watch over me. As we launch into today's message, I want you to check out a couple of verses. Uh, in fact, I think every single verse I'm going to use today, um, I may pull in another one or two, but I think every one will come from the psalm. Psalm 34 and verse 8. Look at this. Uh, find out for yourself how good the Lord is. Just find out for yourself. We sang about that earlier, how good the Lord is. Happier those who find safety with him. Look at this next verse. This is a great verse. Psalm 31, 19. How great is your goodness. This is what the psalmist is saying to, to God. How great is your goodness, God, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow. You do this for all people to see. You bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge. God, people can see how good you are. God is a good God. I don't know what you think about God. In fact, may I just pause for a moment and ask you that question? What is your perspective of God? What do you think about God? What is in your mind concerning God? You might say, well, I've never really thought about it very much, to be honest with you. Do you know that, that our thoughts concerning God are primarily shaped uh, in, in these arenas? Number one, how we were raised. Do you know one of the things that you're combating, if it was negatively so imprinted upon your mind when you were growing up, one of the battles that you may be fighting in your mind with God is the way that you were raised, or it may work to a good in your life. If you were raised, you know, hearing about God, accurate uh, ideas concerning God and the, what the scripture says concerning God, uh, you and I, our thoughts typically go in the direction of how we were raised. Or if it's not that, it's what we've heard from the people that we respect most in our life. And, and what they have to say about God, you know, uh, becomes many times, even if it's subtly or subconsciously, uh, that becomes how we begin to form our image and perspective of God. Or maybe it was like I was. You could have uh, been as a child in the consistent teaching that was done in your church and you were, you were exposed to biblical truth concerning God. Now, some of you may have developed over the years, and, and this needs to be mentioned, but some of you may have developed over the years either the way that you were raised or the people that you respected most, what their ideas and image was concerning God, and it may be that your impression of God is actually inconsistent with the Bible. It may be, it's possible, it's possible for any of us, and I'll touch on this in a moment, but it's possible that any of us could have an inaccurate understanding of God and, and the ways that we think about God uh, are not accurate at all. Sometimes when you hear people give reasons why they don't want to be in a relationship with God and then they, you know, they, they do more than just make like a, a statement, but they put behind it reasons why they do not believe in God. When I hear who they seem to understand God to be, I'm like, hey, if I believe that God was like <laughs> you're describing God, I'm not sure I'd want to have a relationship with God whatsoever because their image, their understanding, their perspective of God is so distorted. How they, when they, if I were to say to them, hey, God is watching you, they'd be like, yeah, that's what I'm worried about. It wouldn't be like a positive feeling. My parents took me to church from the age of about 
uh, three or four, I think it's about the time. I don't remember a whole lot there. You know, some people tell me, are you ever run across people that they just tell you that they remember so much when they were like a kid? And, and uh, you know, they say that and I'm like, hey, I can remember when I was two. And I'm like, I don't remember anything when I was two. And some people, it's almost like, you know, they're saying so much that they remember about when they were so little. I keep thinking that the next thing they're going to say, hey, I can remember in the nursery when I was born, looking around. I just, you know, they can remember so much. And I don't remember a whole lot prior to, prior to that age. My parents started taking me around three or four but uh, they took me until I was about 11 or 12 years of age. And that's a whole other story I'll not get into. My parents, little by little, they'd go to church and they wouldn't go to church. And we'd be in and we'd be out. And before I knew it was, you know, the night came when they sat us around, us three kids, and told us they were getting a divorce. We moved back home. And, and so, um, you know, for that length of time, though, um, my parents kept me in church for the most part up until, uh, you know, they started getting skittish about that. Although during that time I was in church uh, quite a lot, I struggled to know, uh, not always, but at times, just who God was really, what God was really like. Uh, I started wondering, you know, I can remember thinking this as a kid, um, is there anything, and maybe you've, you've had this same sort of understanding in the back, I'd ask myself, and I'd be troubled, troubled by it, actually, I could find myself from time to time thinking, uh, is there anything that I have to start doing or in, is there anything that I have to stop doing in order to earn God's love? Does God love me just the way I am? Or do I have to do certain things in order to earn God's love? And if I don't start doing those, he's not going to love me. And if he, you know, if he, if I don't stop doing these things, he's going to stop loving me. Uh, wondering questions like, and this is just me. I don't know what your experience was growing up as a kid. Uh, I would wonder, does God ever play favorites does he ever, even though people much wiser and older than me insisted that he did not? I, I wondered this, and a lot of you will get this. I would find myself as a kid thinking this. Is God more like my grandparents who love me no matter what? Is God more like my grandparents who love me regardless of what I did? Or is he more like an overly strict parent who just waits for that opportune time for us to totally mess up? Which is God most like? I'd have these questions, and you probably have had these as, as a kid, maybe even as, a, as, as an adult. You know, does God really know and care about the things that are going on in my little world? Does he really? Or is he instead completely preoccupied with more pressing matters going on like globally, like international crises and world hunger and pandemic diseases and such? I mean, does God, is he watching me enough? I mean, it's a lot going on in this big world, a lot of people, a lot of things going on all over the world. But does God really know about my little world? Does he really know what's happening in my life? So again, I come back to that question. It's an important question. What do you think about God? What is your image of God? What is your perspective of God? Maybe you don't even know yet. It may be that you're, you're just on your journey now to discover who God is. And that's just started maybe in the last few weeks or months. And you're like, hey, Jeff, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm new to church. And I'm new to Jesus. I'm new to God and Bible and all that. And, you know, and I have a lot of, you know, background. I have maybe even a lot of baggage in my life and my mind concerning God. And you're just trying to work through all of that. But I want to just say to every person that is occupying a seat right here, right now, that if you are searching and seeking for God, you will find him. 
If you are searching and seeking for God, you will find him. When you do, you will come to understand just how good that God really is. You see, God is not only the source, and you need to hear this, it's really important. God is not only the source of everything that is good in this vast world, he is actually the highest good possible. Let me say that again. God is not only the source of everything that is good in this world, he is actually the highest good possible. And this good God, this good, good God is watching over you every moment of every day. It's incredible to me. So with that said, I want to just mention a couple of things while we're together. One of the many truths that are found in the Bible, and you may want to write this down. It's not because it's profound. It's simple, really. But you just need to be reminded of it, or you need to embrace it at a deeper level. And it is this. God is constantly present with us. God is constantly present with us and stands ready to help us. God is constantly, you've got to understand that, whatever you think about God, whatever you think about, however you were raised, people who are telling you what they thought about God, whatever you think about God, and by the way, this can be validated in the Bible, the thing that you have to understand about God is God is constantly present with us, and he's, and he's standing ready to help us, not just when we need him, but especially when we need him. Some of you heard me share this. I shared it a number of years ago here. Apparently, this information uh, comes from the U.S. Government Peace Corps manual for its volunteers, the Peace Corps that works in the Amazon jungle. And I'll just read it to you, sort of the statements, apparently, from their manual. And it's titled, How to React if You're Attacked by an Anaconda Snake. How many of you do not want to have that experience? You do not. But it's information, helpful information. Uh, many of you know that an anaconda snake is bigger than that little black snake that runs out when you're taking the groceries in and scares life out of you. This is a big, largest snake in the world. Uh, I'm told that an anaconda can reach up to 35 feet long. I've read that one time, can swallow an animal in excess of 300 pounds. Now, so the U.S. government Peace Corps writes to their volunteers who work in the Am Amazon jungle, what do you do if you're attacked by one of these snakes? And I'll just give you nine things they have. Number one, if you're attacked by an anaconda, don't run. The snake is faster than you are. All right, that's number one. Number two, lie, lie flat on the ground. And aren't you already thinking, right, that is not, I don't care if it can outrun me. it would have to catch me. But they say lie flat on the ground, put your arms tight against your sides, and your legs tight against one another. That's number two. Number three. Tuck in your chin. You may want to demo that right there where you're sitting. Tuck in your chin. Number four, the snake will come and begin to nudge and climb over your body. That's number four. How do you like number five? Only three words. Number five, fifth thing they say to do, do not panic. <laughs> too late, too late. That's, 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 well, I'm way past that already. Number five, do not panic. Number six, after the snake has examined you, a lot of you are glad I'm sharing this story, aren't you? Because you love snakes. Uh, after the snake has examined you, it will begin to swallow you from the feet end. Always the feet end. Permit the snake to swallow your feet and ankles. And those three words show up in number six again. Do not panic. Are you kidding me? I've lost it by now. Number seven. The snake will now begin to suck your legs into its body. You must lie perfectly still. This will take a long time. 
Number eight, you got to hear number eight, just in case you're ever out there. Number eight, when the snake has reached your knee slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down, take your knife, very gently slide it into the side of the snake's mouth between the edge of its mouth and your leg, then suddenly rip upward, severing its head. Number eight, which causes me to love number nine. You're going to love this too. Number nine, be sure to have your knife. <laughs> so what if I don't? All right, he doesn't have to swallow me. I've, al I've already died. I'm gone. I'm a goner. So God is not just there when we need him, but especially when we need him. It truly is amazing when you pause and think about it, that this God who is so massive and so powerful that the Bible says that the heavens and the earth cannot even contain him, that this same God is always present with us, always watching over us personally and individually. And let me just let you in on another little secret, another little caveat. And, and it is this, even if you're trying to find a place where you can get away from God, can I just help you out today? You're wasting your time. I just want to get away from God. Maybe you said that when you left church years ago. I just want to get away from God. I just want to get away from God. I don't want God encroaching himself upon my life. I want to do my own thing. I want to be my own person. I grew up hearing this and that, and I just want to get away from God. And I've gone off to college, and I'm, I'm hearing some different things, and I just want to get away from God. I want to get away from God, and I'm just going to do whatever. Listen, that is an effort in futility. You cannot. Get away from God. You say, well, how do you know that? Take a look at this verse, and there's others like it, but look at this one. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? David said this. Is there any place that I can go to be out of your sight? And the obvious answer to this is no. And then if you pick this up later, and we're not going to do it here, David goes on to express this in the verses that follow. But it is not a bad thing for David. It is actually a truth that brings great hope and encouragement to his life, and that is you and I can never get outside of God's viewpoint, God's vantage point. Here's something that I want you to always remember. God's silence does not mean his absence. And some of you need to hear that right now because you're like, Jeff, I don't feel God. Well, listen, uh, there's a lot of things I don't feel that they're still real. I don't feel God. I'm not hearing from God. It seems like I pray and my prayers come down and feels like God's not even answering the prayers and I don't feel God and I don't know where God is and uh, God seems to be silent. And I just want to assure you of this. Some of you, it was worth you getting up and coming here today just to hear me tell you and remind you that God's silence in your life does not mean that God is absent from your life. Now, there may be times I get it when it seems that God is not, not there. You may be at a point in your life right now where it just seems that your marriage is in some really big trouble. It appears that your marriage is unraveling by the day. It may appear to you right now that your kids are just making such foolish decisions. Uh, the decisions are so profound in nature. Their decisions are just so wrong that as a parent, because you love them, it is breaking your heart and it may feel like, God, where are you? You may be at a point in your career where your job is virtually becoming unbearable or you've lost the passion that you once had for it or you were in a relationship that you thought that had some hope and optimism to it and that it was going to last for a long, long time and now that relationship is over or you look at your future and your future seems to be clouded by more doubts and by more stress or it feels like the financial mess that you've been in is getting deeper instead of getting better and in times like this 
Any person could be tempted to say, where is God? Am I alone in this? Am I forgotten, forsaken in this? But I want you to take a look at God's word to you and to your circumstances. Psalm 46 and verse 1. Look at this verse right here. Look at what it says. And and I just encourage you to cling to this, especially if you're walking through a troublesome time in your life. God is our shelter and strength. Read the last part with me. Everybody, always ready to help in times of trouble. What are you going through right now? God is always ready to help in times of trouble. But Pastor Jeff, you don't understand what's happening in my family right now. It's like out of control. It's chaos. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. But you don't understand what's happening where I work, where I live, in my health, in my mind. You don't understand what's going on in my finances. You don't know my world. And I don't. I don't necessarily. But this is what I do know. God is always ready to help in times of trouble. He's watching you. He loves you. He cares about you. Look at this next verse right here. This is a great, great verse. He who dwells in the shadow of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He's my fortress, my God. He's the one in whom I trust. On the screen, the guys are going to put up a a great statement. Some of you have heard this name, uh, Jim Cimbala. And this is what he says. He says, what is faith? It is a total dependence upon God that becomes supernatural in its working. People with faith develop a second kind of sight. I love what he says next. They see more than just the circumstances. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you see just the circumstances. They see more than just the circumstances. They see God right beside them. God is watching you. And his silence in your life right now does not mean that he is absent from your life. He is there. He is watching you. He cares about you. God really is with you every second of every day. And he never takes his eyes off of you. That's how madly in love God is with you. Let me give you another thought right here before we're done. And it is this. You're safe in his hands. You're safe in his hands. I want to pause to ask you this question. Is there anything going on in your, lo- your life right now that is causing you to be anxious? Maybe you look at a situation with your kids and you're just anxious. Work, home, family, health. Is there anything going on in your life right now that has you doubtful, that has you stressed out? If so, if you don't begin to maneuver through that, In due time, it can cause you to miss out on the confidence and the faith and the potential that God has placed within you because unlike what Symbol is saying is when all you can see is your circumstances and you can't see beyond your circumstances, it can lead to to a state of being hopeless and discouraged because you don't have faith to believe that that situation is going to change. Maybe your current view of God is that he is too small to handle what's going on in your life. Maybe you, you can look at other people's situation. You can say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for them because they asked me to pray for them. And I'm believing that their situation is going to turn out a whole lot better than what it is right now. But then you look at your situation, but you say, it's amazing, isn't it? How that we can have faith for other people and at the same time not have a lot of faith for ourselves. But you've got to see beyond the circumstances. You've got to know that you are indeed safe in his hands. As we get ready to close, and we're going to come back, and we're going to do, you know, we, we, uh, we didn't do all the songs. Well, maybe you don't know that. We're going to come back in just a moment. We're going to do one more song, and then I'll close this out in prayer.
But as we get ready to wrap this up, I want you to think about how different your life would be. How different your life would be. Man, you, I, even as I say that, you can't you can imagine how badly as, as your pastor, how that I'd just love for everything to be like perfect in your life. I, I you know, talk to somebody and, hear about their struggle, their difficulty, and I just wish that there's something mystical or magical that I could do that I could immediately turn that around. Wish I could. But this is what I want you to think about, how different your life would be if you would take whatever, the, whatever it is, the current struggle in your life, maybe for some of you, like everything is going really, really well right now. If that's you, you ought to especially be thankful this Thanksgiving. Because a lot of you that are in here today, you're faced with something that is a great challenge to you. And your life could get so much better if you could find a way to move from your stress and from your doubt to faith and trust. Please listen to this. If you're a follower of Jesus, and this is really important, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you're a child of the Most High God. You're a child of the Most High God, and you cannot, cannot, cannot get away from His sight, and you really are safe in His hands. There's a great, great uh, writer. He wrote so much, Dallas Willard, about spiritual growth and spiritual formation. Unbelievable thinker and writer and speaker. Dallas Willard, who lost his own mother as a young child, writes of a little boy whose mom had died, and I'll just read it to you as it is. This little guy was especially sad and lonely at night. He would come into his father's room after he had lost his mother and ask if he could sleep with his dad. Even then, he could not rest. This little boy could not rest until he knew not only that he was with his father, but that his father's face was turned toward him. And he would ask, Father, is your face turned toward me now? Yes, his father would say, you are not alone. I'm with you. My face is turned toward you. When at last he was assured of this, the little guy could finally go to sleep. Dallas Willard goes on to write this, how lonely life is. Oh, we can get by in life with a God who does not speak. Many at least think that they do so, but it is not much of a life and is certainly not the life that God intends for us or for the abundance of life that Jesus came to make available to us. God's face is turned toward you. Check out these last two verses, and then I'm going to pray, all right? Last two. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Look at this last one. Let's all read this one together. Help me out on this one. This last one. Your way is perfect, Lord, and your word is correct. You are a shield for those who run to you for help. So whatever your need is today, I encourage you to run to God for help. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Everybody, bow your heads, close your eyes right here, right now. If you are going through a struggle right now in your life, and I could list off a litany of things, but nobody has to tell you <laughs> that you've got trouble. They don't have to bring up an area in your life and you say, oh, yeah, I've got a struggle there. You know if you've got a struggle. You know if you've got a challenge. And if you're here today and you just say, hey, I'm walking through a tough time and I, I just need to be reminded that God is with me, that I'm safe in his hands, that, that, that God is watching over me because he loves me. And I want to move from stress and doubt in my life to faith and, and trust. I want to believe God. I want to trust in God. I want to know that God is going to help me with my problem, whatever your problem is right now. 
If you want special prayer today, I want you to just lift your hand. Would you just lift it right where you're at? Thank you so much, so very much. Those of you that are here today and you're just saying, you know what? Um, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a follower of Jesus. And I know that I need a relationship with God. See, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then I want to encourage you right here, right now, to trust Jesus to be the Savior and the leader of your life. Why would you try to manage all this stuff on your own when you don't have to? God wants to have a relationship with you. God created you to love you. And if you're not a Christian yet, but you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you want to confess your sins and invite Jesus to become the Savior and the leader of your life, you want to begin a relationship with this God today, even though there's a lot of things you don't know about him or a lot of things that maybe you even misunderstand about him, but you just say, I want to begin a relationship with God. I want to do my life with God. I want, to, I want to embrace Jesus. I need the forgiveness of sin. If that's you, would you just lift your hand real high? Just lift your hand really high because I want to pray for you too. All right? Here's what I want us to do. I want every person to stand, whether you lifted your hand or not, and I want to pray for you right here, right now. Every person standing. You lifted your hand or you didn't. And just a way of surrender, and I never force this kind of thing, and I'm not forcing you now. If you just say, nope, no thanks, not going to do it. But I want you as just a sign of, God, I need help, and a sign of, God, I surrender your purpose. Even if you're not a person who normally lifts your hand, and if it just so freaks you out, don't lift your hand if you don't. But if you're calm, I want you to just sort of lift your hands up like I'm doing mine right now, and you're just saying, God, I surrender to you. Help. Help, God. Help me. You know my struggle. You know my need. You know what is going on in my home. You know what's going on with my kids. You know about my marriage. You know about my finances. You know about my job. You know about what I've been feeling. You know about my loneliness. You know about my depression. You know about what's going on in my finances. God, you know about my challenge. And you're watching me, and I'm safe in your hands. You care about me. And I look to you. I'm so tired of trying to do this on my own. I'm so stressed out trying to manage it, try to make it happen, and I try, and nothing gets better. And God, I'm just, I just surrender. Hands up, hands up. I need help. I turn these circumstances over to you right now. And if you've got a need, you just say, Jesus, I'm trusting you. Jesus, I believe in you. You are my rock, my refuge, my help in time of trouble, and I'm coming to you. Those of you that are becoming Christians today, Jesus, you just say it in your own heart, your mind. Jesus, come into my life today. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a brand new person. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Why would I try to manage my problems by myself? I need your help, and I know that you love me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I'll come back in just a moment and close this out in prayer, but I want us to sing this song together. Are you ready?
I want to encourage you with this truth before we leave here today. You were not singing about somebody else's breakthrough or miracle. You were singing about yours because that's what God is able to do and wants to do in your life, to give you the miracle and the breakthrough in your life, in your home, your family, your job, your health that you need. Aren't you glad that God is watching over us? Aren't you glad that God loves us? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, that we're reminded just how good you are. We pray that you'll be with us this week. Give everybody a great Thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, everybody. See you next Sunday morning. Have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs>